Welcome back to Nutrition Lifestyles with Kim and Joanne. I'm Joanne. And I'm Kim. Today, we are going to be talking about all things teeth. Yes. And let me just interject right here and say, guys, if you hear Joanne's kids in the background, you already know what time it is. But getting right into the episode, we have today Dr. Zuli Fernandez. Dr. Zuli was born in Cuba and she immigrated to the United States with her family as a child. She was raised in South Florida and she served as the first Hispanic female student government president and founded her first nonprofit organization, Dental Adventures. She later continued her study in the field of dental medicine at the University of Puerto Rico, where she earned the degree of Doctor of Dental Medicine. After a decade of training, Dr. Fernandez has returned home to Miami, where she will continue. (laughs) She actually does continue her treatment to promote the relief of periodontal disease, raise awareness and also oral health in general. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Zuli. We are so happy to have you here. Happy to be here with you guys, chatting a little bit and super excited. Likewise. Yeah. So where are you from originally? I was born in Cuba. I came to America on a boat when I was seven years old. My parents were professionals in Cuba and their hard-earned degrees were no longer valid in this country. So like many immigrants, I watched my parents struggle to survive, but I also witnessed great work ethic, commitment to education, and a lot of perseverance. Nice. And that's something we find a lot, like with a lot of Caribbeans and Islanders coming to the United States is oftentimes, like for me, same as you, my parents were professionals in Haiti, and they just wanted a better life for us. And they couldn't find that life no more due to civil unrest. So they too migrated just like you guys. So I want to ask you, Dr. Zuli, because of course, you know, people may be wondering, well, she's a doctor, doctor in what? So let the audience know, what are you a doctor in? Yes, I'm a periodontal surgeon where I uh, focus in the disease of the gums and bone. And then I rehabilitate my patients once I stabilize them and reconstruct their oral cavity, whether it be with implants or I transfer bone from cadavers or soft tissue from different elements, not only humans, but also animals as well. So that's my specialty. That's what I do. So was was the dental area where you always wanted to be? Because I know we were having a conversation before where you were talking about how you were passionate about music and the arts. So how'd you go from that to this? Tell us a little bit about that. That's a great question. I love music. Even when I was a child, I had a very curious mind. I was very inquisitive, compassionate, full of music, full of feeling, full of life, really. Learning to adapt to a new country and really a new language was really difficult for me. But music became my shelter and my therapy throughout all of uh, the adversity that we faced. So I later attended New World School of the Arts. It's a performing arts high school where I really immersed Mm -hmm. myself in creative expression through musical theater. I am a big supporter of of the arts, the performing arts, because it really provided me a safe haven for self-expression. And it really instilled in me the dedication, responsibility, commitment that I later really adapted into the medical field. So I'm a very big supporter of music and the supporting arts for young adults and for children. And like I said, it's the baseline for everything else, in my opinion, and you can adapt it to any career, any career at all. Wow. So to me, that's amazing that you basically took the arts and you went Mm -hmm. to a scientific profession. 
So let me ask mm-hmm. you this question, right? Because people consider body piercings to be an art. Mm-hmm. And right. you know, there's there's piercings in the tongue, there's piercings, you know, all over the oral cavity. Yes. Oh, ooh, that's a fancy word, Joanne. Ooh. <laughs> I know. You know, I had braces, so I kind of know a little bit about it. <laughs> Piercings are definitely a form of expression, and I'm all about that. However, it's something to really consider when we talk about our health, our overall health, especially being this, my scope of practice and my specialty. I have seen many patients with piercings, and we get really, when we have piercings, for example, in the tongue or in the gingiva, believe it or not, people have had it in the gingiva as well, we tend to erode away all of our tissues. And once we do that, we're exposed to more bacteria in our oral cavity. And Mm -hmm. then we have to resort to soft tissue transplants. And this is where we talk about transferring tissue from other parts of your mouth, like your hard palate, the roof of your mouth, or getting it from Mm -hmm. a cadaver. So there's piercings, again, increase the bacterial load in your mouth and debilitate the tissue that you have in your mouth. So it's something that, that we need to be cautious about when we have piercings wow yikes so you guys hear that no piercing. so So what what if someone has a piercing what do you recommend take it out absolutely right because the movement of your tongue it will erode all of your tissues especially on the lingual aspect the inside of your teeth it's a very very thin very very fragile film of tissue and because of that movement we use all of our musculature and our tongue is actually one of the most believe it or not most strong uh, strongest one of the strongest muscles in muscle? the- uh-huh, uh-huh. so you're eroding away all your tissues if somebody were to remove it I'm thinking in my head to like all these doctor shows I'll be watching and how they repair stuff. So would it be something that you would need to repair or would it close on its own? It would partially close on its own, but it probably will not regenerate completely. As far as suturing it back up, it depends on the, the size of a laceration that it has caused over time. We would have to evaluate the patient and, and see if we would have to reconstruct that area or not. Depends on the severity of the situation. But again, it's not only because we're eroding our tissues away, but because we're also contributing to a higher bacterial load in our mouth, which then can mm-hmm. cause periodontal disease, you know, and, and a whole host of different conditions that we can talk about later. Wow. So, so let's gotcha. talk about that. Let's talk about periodontal disease. Like, what is that? Mm-hmm. Because like, when I think of it, it may be my ignorance. I don't think of it as a disease that impacts young people. So what really is it? What, what is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So periodontal disease is a chronic infection in the mouth and it's caused by bacteria. The body then responds to this bacterial challenge resulting in bleeding gums. And once we start having bleeding gums, we start losing our bone. And once we lose our bone, we lose our Okay. My goal as a periodontal and implant surgeon is to remove oral infection, halt the progression of periodontal disease, and replace those supporting structures in the oral cavity. I always tell all of my patients that we don't want any infection anywhere in our body, right? But especially not in our mouth, because our mouth is a portal of entry of our foods. It's the entrance of our alimentary canal. And we want to make sure that uh, infection doesn't cause a bacteremia and go into our other organ systems and affect our overall health. Right. Like the heart, you know, I, right. I remember when my brother, uh, he got into a really bad car accident and he'd lost his front teeth 
And I was like, Chris, you need to go to the dentist. And he was like, no, I'm good. I'm good. And my neighbor is actually a dentist. And he was like, well, you need to get checked because if there's bacteria, it can travel down to the heart and like cause all these issues. And I'm like, uh, you're going, <laughs> you are going. So yeah, he went, was put on antibiotics and like the whole shebang. So I think a lot of people don't realize that infection in the mouth can impact the whole entire system. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, in fact, periodontal disease has been linked with over 50 different types of diseases, including heart conditions, which you just mentioned, Alzheimer's, respiratory conditions, of course, diabetes, that's one of the main risk factors for periodontal disease, and a whole host of of other conditions. It's in the literature, and anybody that is interested can look that up. But there's definitely a strong correlation between that, in fact, between periodontal disease and and other conditions. I actually studied this correlation while I was at the Mayo Clinic and uh, did my master's thesis on that, on that same mm-hmm. relationship. Nice. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to nutrition and oral health, you know, I'm always, y'all know the commercial, I'm not going to say the name, the commercial where all these dentists are lined up or they're talking about nutrition and how certain foods that you eat are bad for the teeth, like lemons, like acidic foods, like lemons and oranges and whatnot, foods that we typically as dietitians would tell people to consume. So mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about oral health, nutrition, and if there are like any specific foods that are best for people to consume for optimum dental health? So oral health and periodontal disease per se is a very complex, multifactorial and dynamic condition. Studies really haven't provided a specific diet for the maintenance of overall health per se. However, we always recommend a well-balanced diet that includes removing refined uh, carbohydrates such as sweet beverages Mm -hmm. and snacks. We always want to avoid that. Why? Because they don't really have any nutritious value. And they can, again, potentially Mm -hmm. increase the risk of increasing the bacterial load in your mouth. A high bacterial Mm -hmm. load can then lead to high caries risk and periodontal disease. You mentioned citrusy foods. Mm -hmm. These corrode away your enamel. And once our enamel, which is the outer surface of our teeth per se, is gone, then we expose the dentin. And then once the dentin, which is what surrounds the nerve of your actual tooth, is exposed, Mm -hmm. you can run into situations where you have a lot of pain or actually necrose the actual teeth. And, and the nerve itself, and then you can get diseases in your bone and your tissues. So things that are citrusy in nature are things that, of course, everything in excess is bad. I'm not saying that you can't consume citrusy foods, but try to avoid anything that's acidic in nature because it can, in the long term, erode your enamel. And I, as I described, can have detrimental effects in your oral health. Listen, Dr. Zulu, you got to tell me what is too much because I'm Haitian and we put <laughs> lemons in everything. We season food with it. We make lemon juice. We put it in our earpiece. So how much citrus food is too much? <laughs> well, I can't, we can't say for sure. We don't have scientific evidence to say this is, this is it. You know, you can't consume like 10 or more. Oh, what I can tell you is for, to look out for erosions on your teeth, okay, or attrition. What that means is wearing away of your enamel, the top coat of your teeth. Once your teeth start becoming translucent, 
and become the crown per se. So the tooth of the, the tooth is called the crown. Once that is reduced in size, then that's something that should be a red flag. And you should definitely consult with your dentist. Nice. You know, so you mentioned something about erosion mm-hmm. and I know, you know, I went to my dentist, what was it last week? And I think I remember sending you a DM because I used to use like the hard bristle <laughs> toothbrush because like my teeth you don't feel clean. My teeth don't feel clean unless like I have that hard bristle. And she was like, Kim, what in the world are you doing? Yes. So I switched to the soft. You'll be proud of me, Dr. Zuli. I switched. But I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to know <laughs> what other practices can erode the enamel. Like, you know, when I go to Walgreens and I get my toothbrush, like right next to it. I'm seeing like all of these whitening kits. Like, what's your opinion on that? Oh, yeah. Asked Kim, because there's a lot of information out there and a lot of products that are really not certified by the American Academy of Dentistry. Okay. And these type of products can be detrimental to your teeth. Whitening opens up all of the pores in your enamel and your dentin. So it exposes your root, uh, your your nerve, okay, and your what your root is is composed of. Okay. Mm-hmm. So once that we're more exposed to sensitivity and in the long term it can debilitate your enamel and can mm. erode away your teeth so it, that process when you go ahead and whiten your teeth and and of course using a very hard bristled brush and what you're what you're saying Kim is very common don't feel bad okay <laughs> lots of people feel like they have a cleaner you mm. know health when they use a, a hard toothbrush, but that's really not the case. It's the mechanical use of yeah. Yes, the, the the mechanical debridement that your toothbrush also pro, uh, actually provides that really lowers that bacterial load, not necessarily the the bristles, which again just remove that outer surface, exposing all of your your nerves, and that's when we can start getting in, into issues because that exposes you to infection, and then that infection goes into your bones. And we can develop diseases. Mm-hmm. And- so mm-hmm. let me, because, okay, so guys, when we're filming this, we're actually looking at Dr. Zilli, right? Dr. Zilli, your teeth are like white. So <laughs> what, what would you say to someone who has like pearly yellows and is like very conscious? <laughs> pearly yellow. Pearly yellows and is conscious <laughs> of that. So there are toothpastes that have bicarbonate in them, okay, that you, you that is the healthiest type of the actual compound. Oh, yeah. okay. It's the compound that really whitens your teeth. So I'm not saying for our audience not to, to whiten their teeth, but do everything in moderation. And once you start feeling sensitivity is because it's opening up all of your all of your dental pores. Okay. And then mm-hmm. you run into some issues. So if you feel self-conscious about that, Talk to your dentist first and foremost about your concern and he's he or she is going to go over specifics about what type of treatment is best for you depending on how you stand today if your te- if your enamel is healthy your your gum health that is first and foremost right. that you know should be your number one kind of of concern because if you don't have uh, appropriate gum health and then you add these whitening products then you're debilitating the whole aperture per se, per se. so first and foremost you want to make sure that you're healthy okay and then after that you can look at aesthetic improvements such as whitening i'm not saying that whitening is is wrong 
to use, but I am saying to be cautious about it. Yeah, because I, I whitened my teeth before. I did it professionally mm-hmm. after I had braces in my 20s. And, you know, they gave me the kit. They told me what to do. I wasn't supposed to consume like tea or coffee, like you said, like anything that can, because those have tannins in them that, you know, the darkness um, of the coffee and the tea is caused by t- tannins and those tannins can go into your enamel, right? That's what you were saying. So, yeah, so I've definitely done it before. Now, so with the ones that are from home, and I know we're stuck in this whitening stuff because we're curious. <laughs> <laughs> like the home kit ones, how often should someone be doing that anyways? It depends on the manufacturer. Make sure you read your the, the, the directions from your manufacturer because some of them have a higher whitening product in it. So you have uh-huh. to make sure that depending on the degree of compounds in the actual product that you're Brands. using, mm-hmm. the brand that you're using is what they're going to, to recommend. But it's usually once a day or twice a day tops. Gotcha. Okay. So since we're talking about whitening and products that people buy online, so I, I, like I just told you guys, I had braces in my 20s and I had the hardware. I mean, it wasn't the hardware that you saw back in the 90s where people had like, like the whole headgear. Their, their <laughs> whole headgear. No, I didn't have that. It was nice enough because it was like ceramic at the top and whatever at the bottom, but I felt secure. Like I didn't miss any appointments with my orthodontist because I was like, I'm not going to have these things in for five years like I've seen people have. But nowadays, like in the last maybe couple of years, I would say, I've seen online on social media, these ads for these home orthodontic kits. And I'm like, is that safe? Because your teeth is shifting. Do I want to take that chance and do this thing at home? What do you say about that? Joanne, that is actually a very controversial topic and something that our academy is actually really struggling with right now. And that's the, uh, what do they call there? I think they're called these, these. I don't even know. Yep. Yep. These companies that you really don't have a provider. You actually just go online. They send you a kit. You send it, you take your, an impression and then you send it back to them without supervision of a dentist or anything. And what we're finding is that people are placing these, things in their mouth, okay, (laughs) in their mouth, and then they're destroying their whole bone and their tissue. So there's infection in their mouth, because the bacterial load is increased, then this bacterial process produces periodontal disease. And then we have a a slippery slope, right? We, We start having wearing away of our tissues, and then wearing away of our bone. And like I said, once our bone is gone, we lose our teeth. And you, you mm. wouldn't believe how many patients I see every single day in my practice saying, doc, I am using these Invisalign trays from online and I'm noticing that my gums are bleeding and I'm very concerned about that. And then of oh. course, talk to them about the importance of, first of all, halting that treatment and that anything that you choose to do should be seen and consulted with a doctor. Okay. I, I, I don't think that real people realize that your oral cavity is just another organ system in your body, just like your heart, your kidney. It is, a, like I said, the entrance of your alimentary canal and mm-hmm. it, it harbors, this is what you eat with. Okay. You want to make sure that you take good care of your oral health. And sometimes it's unfortunate, but um, people don't really see it like that sometimes. And we really have to have really hard uh, conversations 
because of this. And that's something that our academy is really struggling with right now. My teeth is one organ, if you, if, as you called it, that I don't mess with. Like, I, I need a professional because I can't take any risks. To, you can't go to the emergency room for your teeth because I've had like a toothache, went to the emergency room. They're like, ma'am, you got to go to your dentist on Monday. And I'm like, you can't do nothing for me right now. I got to wait two whole days. <laughs> I don't mess with my teeth without exactly. a professional looking at looking at it. Uh-uh. Right. So basically what I'm hearing that you're saying, you know, just to say it in another way for the audience is your teeth is as important as a bone. So if you, you want to correct that bone, you have to go to a professional. Like if you break your foot, you wouldn't just put cement and plaster on your foot. You need a professional <laughs> who understands the physiology of that particular location in order to properly secure everything. Absolutely. And once we're doing orthodontic treatment, people specialize. My colleagues specialize three more years, just like I specialize in periodontal disease and the disease of gums and bone. They specialize Mm -hmm. in order to to do orthodontic treatment because what people may not realize is that you're moving your teeth through Mm -hmm. bone and through tissues. And Mm -hmm. that can have detrimental effects. So absolutely, Kim, I'm right with you. Okay. So I want to ask you this, because you just mentioned that you specialize in gums, right? Mm-hmm. Let, let me, I'm putting myself out there. This is not medical advice. Let me put this disclaimer. I'm just curious. <laughs> I'm just curious. So when I brush my teeth, my nightly routine is I brush my gums as well. I massage my gums. I wouldn't say I brush them. Mm-hmm. Would you recommend that practice as a gum expert? I would, but it's not something that is clinically, that has been studied and to be shown to have clinical effectiveness per okay. se. Because I'm here thinking, you know what? I'm getting the blood. I'm getting the oxygen. Brush <laughs> with an extra soft toothbrush and your, your technique is accurate. You're also massaging your, your gums as well. But if you want to go ahead and massage your gums, there's nothing wrong with that as long as you do it appropriately. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, so since we're talking about routines, mm-hmm. let's talk about what's the right routine for brushing your teeth. You know, you hear people say twice a day you need to brush your teeth. I see people brush their teeth after every meal, floss after every meal, or floss twice a day. What would you say to that? How often should we be doing those things? So my first recommendation is to make sure you consult with your general dentist first, right? Because every mm-hmm. patient and every case is different. Patients that have periodontal disease may have a different routine uh, recommended mm-hmm. by their periodontist than a patient that's 20 years old with pristine oral health, okay? But in general, mostly, we recommend our patients to brush twice a day. It could be either manual or if patients lack manual dexterity when they're in their older ages, to use an electronic toothbrush. And frankly, it is my personal opinion that you don't have to wait until you get older and lose manual dexterity to use an electronic toothbrush. In fact, evidence suggests Mm. that that electronic toothbrush has demonstrated more benefits to oral health care in general, because when you do it manually, people tend to brush less. Okay. You're supposed to brush mm-hmm. two minutes a day, but really, I knew that. How, <laughs> how many people really brush two minutes a day? And actually now the electronic toothbrushes bring a timer and they actually tell mm-hmm. you go on to the next quadrant. So that's really a a very helpful aid. So I really tend to recommend to most of my patients an electronic toothbrush twice a day, especially in the morning and at night. 
even more at night, actually, because at night, our uh, salivary glands produce less uh, decrease. So they produce less saliva. Mm. Less saliva, then the bacterial load increases. So when we have high bacterial load, we're more prone to cavities, to uh, having more caries, and then, of course, developing uh, periodontal disease. So if you're going to choose whether to brush in the morning or to brush at night, you should definitely brush at night, Okay. You should brush always twice in the morning and at night, but make sure you, <laughs> you know, before, uh, before you go to sleep. And then you, you floss twice a day. That's really important as well. There is a water pick that was recently approved by the American Dental Academy that has shown to be efficacious. And I always recommend my patients to look for that. The It's a, a little sticker, okay? It says ADA on any products. When you go to Walgreens, try to look for that seal of approval because if that seal of approval is, you know, in your toothbrushes or in any products that you use, you know that it has gone through clinical trials and it has shown efficacy. It has shown to reduce the bacterial load. So there's uh, the water pick has been uh, approved by the ADA. There is the electronic toothbrush as well. You can look for that seal of approval. And we talked about diet, reducing carbohydrates, snacks, sugary drinks, definitely increase the bacterial load, weaken your enamel. See the dentist regularly for prevention and to treat just overall oral diseases. Rinse with Listerine. Listerine is again, a very great product because it has oral, it has alcohol content and it reduces the bacterial load and it is also ADA approved. So I don't really recommend anything right now that is not endorsed by the American Dental Association. Nice. Water pick versus your, not, I'm not going to say the old fashioned floss, but the floss that has the little pick at the end, because those are the ones I use. The ones that has the little pick at the end and it has the floss. Which one is better? The water pick should not re- be a replacement for your floss, okay? The old okay. traditional floss, not even the one that you're talking about, which I'm going to get to right now, the traditional flossing method actually gets under your gums to the sulcus and cleans you know, thoroughly, which no other system has been proven to do. Okay. The one that you're talking about doesn't go inside your sulcus, meaning it doesn't go under your gums per se. The floss does, but what's the problem with the, with the floss that there's a technique and you need, you need dexterity to actually appropriately floss. So we have Mm -hmm. resorted to telling patients that can use these other forms, these other products of flossing for flossing, but it, you should still attempt to do the traditional way of flossing. But if you can't, and people, it's not that they're lazy, it's just that it, it, <laughs> it's time, you know, and it's uncomfortable, then just use the water pick. And water I always pick. tell my patients that it's a, it's, a, it's a lifestyle, okay? If you carry those picks with you in your purse and you feel them, you're going to remember to go ahead and clean versus having the floss and, and taking a little bit longer. So it's not that I'm not going to tell you not to use them, but the traditional flossing method done correctly is the best form of flossing. However, if you want to carry it with you or if you find it easier, I'd rather you do something than nothing. Than nothing. True. Mm -hmm. True. So, you know, forgive me, Dr. Zili, for being vain, but I'm going to bring up the appearance again, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we see celebrities and I mean, every single last one of them, their teeth are 
on point. Pristine. That's the word. Pristine. Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty sure that maybe they've had veneers. I don't know. And Mm -hmm. I see that people are influenced by this. The general public is just influenced by the trends that these celebrities set. So let's talk about that. What would make someone need implants? And do you recommend this? Like if their smile is not perfect? So, you know, Kim, I don't blame you, you know, for, for, uh, you know, (laughs) not that I'm vain, doc. No, it's (laughs) It's really what, one of the first things that people notice. Okay. It is a very uh, important part of your, of, of your, it's like a presentation. It's your presentation when, when you, when you talk to people. Okay. So it's important. And this is why celebrities spend thousands and thousands of dollars to make sure that their smile is on point. Like you said, Mm -hmm. okay. Now, when we consider dental implants, which is what you, you talked about, we have to really realize what it is. First of all, implants is an artificial tooth root that is placed into your jaw. Okay. To hold a tooth or a bridge. Sometimes people lose teeth due to periodontal disease, or they had a trauma, or they had decay. So first and foremost, we have to realize, and we have to question ourselves, why is this patient needing dental implants? Why does this patient need dental veneers? So once we assess that, and we try to change the patient's habits, then we talk about how do we reconstruct all of this, okay? And yes, veneers are beautiful, Implants are a great form of replacing patient dentition to get them to a functional and and uh, aesthetically uh, pleasing smile. But we want to make sure that they're healthy first. So you have to spend the time and the money to make sure that your oral cavity is doesn't have any infection. So then we can build on the pretty stuff, right? The veneers and uh, the implants. And then once you have that. Then you have to consider, okay, I have an implant. I have a titanium screw in my jaw. How do I care for this? It's just, I explained to my patients, it's like having a knee transplant. You have to make sure that you don't carry a lot of load on it, especially in our mouth, since we're constantly eating and there's bacteria in our mouth. How do I care for implants? So yes, you see celebrities with these beautiful smiles, but first we're like, okay, so where they start off? Did they need veneers in the first place? And then after, you know, how do they, how, how are they going to care for this? Because a lot of people follow these trends and yes, they want veneers, but once you get veneers, what are you going to do about that? Because if you can't keep it up, right. Actually in crowns can tend to accumulate even more plaque and bacteria because they're porcelain or because they're, you know, they're not your original structures in your So you got to make sure you put extra effort in cleaning them because they harbor even more bacteria. So you have to be conscious of that. And these are things that people don't really think about. They go into a clinic. And again, this is not the scope of my practice. I am like the architect. I need to make sure that the bone and the, the tissue health is good. So then my prosthodontist or the general dentist can build these beautiful structures. But then if they let it go, then I get to see them back in my practice and say, hey, we have an infection. What are we going to do about this? How am I going to build this again? How am I going to educate you so you can have good oral health and prolong the life of your teeth as much as possible or even your implants. Because right now, sometimes we, we have to debride titanium mm-hmm. screws in your, in your mouth, you know? Mm-hmm. Painful. That sounds mm-hmm. painful. Mm-hmm. Right. 
I don't oh, think no don't. no amount of lidocaine can help me with that. <laughs> <laughs> there's ways, there's ways. I mean, you know, I do surgery every single day of my life and we want to make sure that our patients are as comfortable as possible during these events. So don't worry, we'll take care of whatever whatever Kim needs. Don't call don't call that down on me, Dr. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not no. <laughs> I'm on a lot of cable help, but I'm like, don't, don't worry, I got you. I got you if you were <laughs> Dr. Zuli, what are some of the take-home points that you want to give the audience as we close? So one of the things that I want to make sure that if you're going to take anything from our conversation today is that oral health is the gatekeeper for your overall general health, okay? Your mouth is the entrance of your elementary canal, of all of the foods you ingest, So it's very, very important that we take care of our mouth, not only because we want to have a beautiful and functional smile, but also because we need to take care of our overall oral health. Gotcha. Listen, I'm all about the oral health. I tell y'all, after you spent thousands of dollars on braces, (laughs) you don't play with your teeth. I do not play with my teeth. I don't. I don't. Dr. Zuli, one more quick question. What are the signs and symptoms of periodontal disease? Because I know we spoke about what it is, but... You know, what can people look out for? Yeah, so signs and symptoms of periodontal disease include swollen or puffy gums, bright red, purplish gums, gums that bleed easily. So when you're brushing your teeth, if they start bleeding, that's a red flag, okay? When you spit out blood after brushing your teeth as well, Mm. very common is halitosis or bad breath. Once your teeth start loosening, that's a really, uh, that's a red flag because that tells me that there's no supporting, there's no bone around your teeth. So if, if it becomes mobile, then you definitely need to reach out to your dentist or your periodontist. Pain when you're chewing, once you're chewing and uh, you have pain, that also tells me that the apparatus around that tooth may be mm-hmm. harmed. New spaces developing. So once we start losing bone and tissue, our teeth start to separate. So if we have spaces developing, new spaces developing, then that's a concern as well. And recession, gums that pull away from your teeth and they start receding, Mm -hmm. making your teeth look longer than normal. That's a red flag as well. And any change in your bite, any change in your bite is also something that, that you should consider seeing your dentist. And then if your dentist diagnoses periodontal disease, they'll, they'll refer you to, to a periodontist like myself to treat that infection. Because remember, periodontal disease is a chronic infection in the mouth. Okay. And it can be asymptomatic. Some patients don't even notice that they have periodontal disease if they're not aware of these symptoms that we just talked about. Right. Gotcha. So is there such a thing as gum transplant? Like if your gum recede, can they... Add gum back? Yes, that's one of my specialties. So we transplant tissues from cadavers, okay, from donors, or from animals as well. Wow. Mm Wow. Yikes. Interesting. We're we're actually, our academy is working on different types of ways that we can provide patients with tissue. And of course, the gold standard is our own tissue. So I transplant tissue from the roof of the mouth to other areas where you've lost that tissue per se. So Dr. Zuli, let everyone know where they can find you on social media and where they can find your practice. I have actually partnered with several dentists and prosthodontists in Florida. And I go to their clinics and I actually operate patients in their practice. 
because like I had mm. mentioned before, my scope of practice is limited to periodontal disease. I also do periodontal plastic surgery, which is transplanting of tissues. So if you would like to find me, you can find me through social media at uh, Dr. Zuli, spelled out D-O-C-T-O-R-Z-U-L-Y, Dr. Zuli on Instagram, on uh, Facebook, and I actually have a website as well, drzuli.com, where you can contact me. And then depending on where you live, I mostly practice in Miami and the West Coast, so Cape Coral, Naples, and Florida as well. And I would be more than happy to provide a consult for whatever our patients' needs are. And like I said, I work with, I work in conjunction with general dentists that diagnose these conditions. And then I work, I work with, with our mutual patients to restore their overall health. Well, everyone, you heard it from Dr. Zuli. Your mouth, your teeth are very important. It should be part of your, what is it, every six months, you're supposed to get your routine checkup with your dentist, right? Yes, with your dentist, unless you have periodontal disease. If you have periodontal disease, you should be uh, having a periodontal maintenance every three to four months, a cleaning. Okay, gotcha. So you guys heard that. Don't skip on it. You know, we, we tend to skip on a lot of our, of our health. We don't go to the doctor. And I'm sure if you're not going to the doctor, you're most likely not going to the dentist. So make sure you add that to your health on your health calendar to-do list every year to make sure you see your um, your dentist and your periodontist if you need to. Well, everyone, we thank you, Dr. Zuli, for being here with us today. We enjoyed having you here and we learned so much. Please, everyone, let your friends know about Nutrition Lifestyles with Kim and Joanne. Make sure you go on our site to rate us. Make sure you give us a five. And let your friends know and tell them to tell their friends about us. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.